Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Yak Gadget. For all your fine quality kayak fishing needs, go to yakgadget.com. Pelican cases, coolers, and lights. Go to pelican.com. And the 153 Bait Company. For all your hard, soft plastic bait needs, go to the 153anglers.com. Now let's talk about some awesome products. You're listening to the final cast on Pal and Finn Podcast Network. I'm Brad. Hey, Brad. What's up, man? How you doing? Good, 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 good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. Sounds like you're doing good, too. I'm all right. You know, <laughs> it was a nice day today. Is that work? Just Got woke up done. again, didn't you? I did. <laughs> <laughs> every week. Every week. Every Tuesday, dude. It's. <laughs> It's the day that I don't have the kids. I had them three days in a row, and uh, it was actually a pretty chill uh, weekend and stuff. So, um, but uh, yeah, every Tuesday, man, it's like it doesn't fail. I get home from work because I stay a little later at work usually on Tuesdays, also. So, and uh, I get up pretty early. Like I'm up at like five thirty in the morning because um, I got to try to get the kids to school. At six thirty, and so um, we we got there about. I made them breakfast this morning, so we were a little later than normal. But yeah, man, I get home, uh, make dinner. That's what I did. Ate my dinner, sat down, turned on Netflix. No, actually, I turned on YouTube. Was watching a little uh, little YouTube uh, podcast stuff, and I usually fall asleep. I actually set an alarm. At 7.45 p.m. to make sure that I don't sleep through it. I usually don't always kind of fall asleep. I'll start to doze off, but I usually wake up. Yeah, Yeah. that's cool. Yeah, well, uh, we got a cool episode planned today. We got uh, the co-owners of Tightline Anchor. I saw these guys on Instagram. Somebody posted about them. I can't remember who, but I was like, oh, that's a pretty cool product. I mean, it's heavy duty and looks awesome, so... We're bringing on co-owners Greg Linton and uh, Thomas Langton. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, thanks for having us, Brad and Josh. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. No problem, man. Our pleasure. Heck yeah. Uh, this guys gonna, wanna... Go this ahead. This be interesting for us. This is our first uh, podcast opportunity, so that we're diving into some new waters here. 
Heck yeah. And, and we're like, we're, our podcast is based around kayak fishing. So awesome. Hand in hand. Um, yeah. You guys want to do a little, uh, intro introductions on your guys, uh, self and how the company started and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Thomas, you want to take the lead there? Uh, yeah, it, it, it actually started in, uh, it, when I was living in Louisiana and it was just uh, a neighbor's brother had a Midnight Express um, center console boat. And he and his son, big spear fisherman in the Gulf of Mexico, they'd went out and got scared. The boat had um, come off its mooring while they were uh, subsea. So anyway, the uh, conundrum was uh, there's no anchor could hold this boat. And it's very substantial. It's like 37 feet, four, 400s on the back. And uh, we went over to his name is also Tom and went over to his house and, and uh, he said, do you think you can build an anchor to hold that boat? And I said, sure. And it started there. And he said, when, when do you think you could have that anchor built? And I said, oh, next weekend. And then segued into a week of trying to figure out how much uh, Midnight Express really weighed when it had the, you know, the full jam water and all that stuff on the fuel on it. And uh, anyway, went back next week, ran out 15 miles went to the same GPS pinpoint, locked it down, put the alarm on, dropped the anchor, and we didn't move. And uh, Tom jumped in the water and wanted to go down and see if we were actually anchored, and we were. And uh, he came up and said, how much is that anchor worth? I said, it's not for sale. <laughs> and it was just, it, it went from there to, uh, obviously, that's not the that's not the ideal situation because it was a grapnel anchor, but... Um, like five spaded, but obviously very, very big. And Greg has it in his office um, uh, and not collapsible, but the design was there and the idea was there. And I think the rudimentary, rudimentary technology worked at that point. And then uh, Tom also said, if you want to really make that anchor, it's got to be stowable because they run a like a fortress anchor on the bow of all those boats that just come stock with that which didn't work. And he said, but that's a big anchor. It works, but it has to be stowable. You have to be able to collapse it. And that's when I called Greg and I said, do you even think an anchor this size you, we, we could be collapsible? And uh, the rest is kind of history. Greg's like, yeah, sure. And uh, I think a week later, he'd sent me a picture or a series of pictures of one arm of the anchor attached to the tower and said, I think I've kind of figured it out and it worked. And, and then it just went from there. And we met, uh, I went uh, uh, back to Canada, met some whitewater uh, kayakers that expedition kayak, pleasure kayak on the weekend. And they said, if you could make that really small and compact, that same design, you, you'd have it, you'd have something there because there is no dedicated anchor for kayaks mm -hmm. that works, that, that, that's, that's compact, um, and high performance and these guys were sponsored by red bull and and they're into high performance equipment and uh greg and i kind of just I, I i don't even know how we talked about it but it was kind of like we'll, we'll just figure it out and uh greg was instrumental in taking the ideas i think i made one out of sheet metal and sent it to him or showed it to him and and uh and of course greg's like well we can make it a lot better than that and it was just like just like magic we just started right there Hmm. that's cool and i think like uh, a bunch of math and uh, i don't know how many uh variations later greg can attest to that like and i think we're still in that kind of not 
100% satisfied, but always looking to improve our product. And, uh, and uh, it just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, I didn't realize you guys actually made uh, boat anchors as well. Like the, the the anchor I saw was the actual kayak anchor, so that's that's interesting. Well, it's it, it's just a segue backwards because we realized quickly when we want to manufacture a product, and and we were pretty novice at that point, um, that to get into the marine market was probably uh, w- with just a great idea and a lot of energy and a lot of talent. It's probably not the market you want to get into right away. And the smaller product um, was more uh, more accessible as junior business people trying to get into the manufacturing segment. We, we I, I think that we realized right away we wouldn't be in as over our head if we started with a smaller version of that product and, mm-hmm. and catered to a market that didn't have a dedicated product that worked that we might be able to make some inroads there really quickly and 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 uh and grow from there grow from the bottom up rather than trying to get in somewhere closer to the top and go backwards and work down right if if we grow upward that we have a natural uh progression of our product and it's believable because we made it work at a small scale and and you grow over the years and you get into different class uh, a class of vessel and weights and and i think it's more believable because your technology is proven and your track record and your sales and yeah. the adoption of your product you know what i mean yeah so you're anchored in a sense from the beginning <laughs> yeah exactly yeah 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 and and, and yeah. you you also have a customer base that that everybody that everybody that owns a boat like in the marine segment everybody that owns a boat owns other marine craft they own personal watercraft kayaks canoes anything that the people that are into the water are in it and they own this stuff so they can say yeah i bought that anchor like 10 years ago for my personal watercraft or my kayak you know and they're they're building an anchor now for a you know like a 40 plus foot center console boat jeez you know that's cool. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, Greg, you want to give a little bit of background on you, how you got started with all this and everything? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, Tom kind of sold himself short there. He went right into the, the anchor business, but uh, Tom's got an extensive background in fabricating, building custom motorcycles for big, uh, big organizations. And uh, he's got a lot of accolades in the manufacturing world um, for his custom work. And that's sort of how Tom and I ended up becoming buddies uh, long before this this whole anchor business took off. So uh, we kind of bonded around motorcycles um, when I was living in Petawawa and, you know, built this friendship over several years. And when Tom left uh, Canada, moved down south there, and I stayed up here, we stayed in contact. And um, that's really sort of how we came together to basically work on this anchor project because we both have a passion as gearheads working on stuff, building stuff, fabricating. So um, neither one of us come from a business background per se, um, more from a, you know, take a beer box, cut a shape of something out, take it to the bench, hammer the crap out of it, weld it, you know, drill some holes in it and see if it works. And so we, we kind of, um, we think the same way we're very technically minded and um, 
I have a, I personally have a background in the machining and fabricating world as well. Um, I joined the military and I was in the army for six years and then transferred over to the air force as an aircraft structures technician. So I was able to further kind of refine some of my manufacturing, uh, skills and, and, uh, trade work. And if you look at the, the current anchor that we have out there with the folded metal, the solid rivets, it very much resembles aircraft structure because it's, it's built, um, in a way that, uh, you know, just it command it, it, it's built strong. It's built to be able to, uh, withstand strains in multiple different, um, uh, you know, from, uh, multiple different, uh, directions and it's not meant to ever come apart. So, um, basically when Tom built that first big anchor, which is over here to my right, that's the big, the big blue one there on the floor that anchored the midnight express. Um, he sent that anchor up to me and we did some work in the machine shop and played around with it and got it to collapse. And then, you know, as Tom said, we started out with a much larger anchor. We didn't have any real concept of, um, the kayak fishing market, how big it was, whether it was growing, whether it was something that, you know, was a business opportunity or not, because when we got into building, um, these anchors, it wasn't a business, uh, venture it was a venture of just two guys trying to work on building a cool product for you know our own needs or you know the needs of our family and our friends um and then it kind of escalated from talking to those uh, expedition kayakers and saying hey you know what you know you guys have a product here that if scaled properly it could be a value and so that's when we looked at um the kayak fishing market we saw that in the united states it was expanding quite a bit um it was a growing sport growing up fishing myself and tom as well he's he's big into fishing um we're like hey this is something that we should look at so before tightline anchor i was never neither one of us were into kayak fishing per se we were into fishing we were into boats like i, I had a couple boats before um the whole kayak fishing thing but the bringing our product in, into this marketplace has actually brought us into the sport as well, which is kind of ironic and, and, uh, it, it, but it's been great. So in 2018, we, uh, we went down to ICAST. So that was kind of our, that was a TSN turning point where it's, what are we going to do? Like, are we going to invest in building these kayak anchors or are we going to, you know, look at the marine environment and build bigger anchors? Or are we just going to shelf this and look at it at, at another time? And so uh, Thomas did some research and found that the ICAST show is probably, you know, a good place for us to take our product, um, show it to industry, meet the people that are, you know, building the, um, the hulls uh, that are paddling, that are, you know, very much involved in kayak fishing and get their feedback and see if we're see if we're on the right track see if it's something worth investing our time and our money and resources into and um going down there was it was a huge eye-opener we uh we got to meet a lot of industry leaders we got a lot of great feedback um we went back to the drawing board we made design revisions we went through seven different design changes um some of them went into um low level production runs 
we put them out there to people. We got customer feedback. If, they, if our customer didn't like it, we bought the anchor back or we'd exchange it for a new one. And that's really how we evolved our, um, you know, the anchor to what it is today. And we haven't really looked back. We've had continuous growth. Um, we've made design changes, you know, again. And kind of every time we make another production run, we, we are small enough that we're able to look at customer feedback and what they need, what they want, and make those changes. Like, uh, I'm a consumer, Tom's a consumer. We're all consumers. We're all tired of buying shit that, um, you know, it just kind of gets thrown down your throat. So, Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. We pride ourselves in being able to be uh, nimble and responsive to our customer demands, and we try to do the best we can to be responsive, um, you know, to give them what, what they paid for. And that's kind of where we're at with the K5 now. That's, our, that's the only anchor that we sell. We have several other products that we've designed um, that we'd love to put into production, but we're really just focused right now on the bread and butter of the K5 anchor. That's four kayaks, four stand-up paddle boards, four CDUs and be able to become profitable enough that we can reinvest in ourselves and grow our business without giving up, you know, a huge portion of equity to an investor that then wants to take us, you know, down a tangent that we just don't want to be a part of. We want to maintain control of our business and, and grow organically in a way that we can satisfy our customers. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that was a lot of words. <laughs> no, well, that's a lot. Yeah. When you yeah. ask for when you ask for something where you're going to get the full Monty there, I think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I like I like what she said because there is a lot of times that um, you know you your company might see a little bit of success and are quick to sell out to an investor and then lose control and then kind of be like, and then sometimes they'll take those products, man, and they'll push them like you know overseas or whatever, and then you start using sub optimal like you know metals or whatever and then you start getting complaints like oh this thing's breaking or whatever and you guys have pride in your product and you stand by for what it represents which is you know basically a an attestment to like what you guys do anyways what you guys are into what is building like high quality you know you're into the motorcycle game you you, you guys like to build you like to tinker and you like to make stuff that's solid. It's going to work and you have pride in that. And a lot of times you just see that can go, it goes right out the window as soon as you start shooting as high as possible with, you know, investors and that's that sort of thing. I mean, you, I mean, if you, all you have to do is watch an episode of shark tank and sometimes <laughs> yeah. they'll it. Well, it, that shows not all it's cracked out to be though. Like yeah. they'll go back and talk to them later. And there was like, it was great at first. And then we realized, maybe we shouldn't have done what we did because I think if we would have wait instead of being impatient, you know, and wanting to jump all over this great idea and push it to the max as quickly as possible. And they end up not having control. And a lot of times something where they do push that stuff overseas or whatever, and it comes back, it's like, we lost the product. We lost the vision that we had and we lost the quality that we had. And because we mass produced it, you know, I mean, not to say you guys wouldn't want to mass produce your product, that'd be wonderful, but you're also, I, 
you know, I've met a lot of guys like you that are in that fabrication world and you guys mm -hmm. take that shit serious. And there's like, we don't want to build something that is going to be this trend where it keeps coming back. Like it's breaking an arm off every time the wind blows over 20 miles an hour or something, you know? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. and I, and I think Josh, if I could just back that up, it's like, it, like uh, 10 years from now, if I'm up at Lake Eufaula or down at the, down at the golf and, and somebody sees me or recognizes me or I'm driving the company, my company truck and they see it and they say, Hey, I own one of those. And I'm like, let me see it. You're at the boat launch. Like, let me see it and, and ask them, when did you buy it? I bought it back in like 2018 and I, I take it in my hand and, you know, action that anchor and it put a smile on my face if it still works the way that I intended it to. And Greg, you know, obviously together we intended it to work and hand it back to them and say, I'll get you a, a free hat out of the truck, you know, and that that to me is the greatest return that you can ever have on your time investment and, and mm -hmm. belief in your product. When somebody said, yeah, that I lost this anchor twice. And I got it, you know, got it back. I dove for it once and, you know, I gaffed it another time and, and uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go fishing or I wouldn't go on the water without it. And that's all you need to hear. And you know that the, all the time you put in early on was well worth it. Hmm. Very cool. I do, um, like reviewing over the website and the product itself, I, I do dig the fact that you guys have made it uh, so lightweight, you know, it's sitting at three and a half um you know there's one thing that i started to learn because i had the uh, an old grapple style as well but it was like one that you can buy at like cabela's or whatever you know or like the yeah the local big box like, like type stores. galvanized ones or something yeah yeah and it worked but yep, the thing that is. i couldn't stand was i that thing would get stuck on everything so i kind of saw where and you guys have this this available for your for your anchor, which I love because that was my biggest gripe with the grapple style was how do I get this thing unstuck? Especially because Brad and I are into fishing rivers and we will deploy anchors sometimes. And sometimes they get jammed up under the rocks. If you're, mm -hmm. if you're fishing a current seam or whatever. Um, I, so I did the thing. It's kind of, it's the same concept that you guys have in the uh, breakaway line um, that management system that you're selling separate from the, from the uh, anchors and it was literally the same thing. I just hooked it to the bottom and ran a, um, a zip, like a really lightweight kind of zip tie that I knew if I had to pull, it would pop. And, um, but I, I couldn't stand that thing because of the grapple style. Now, what I do like about your guys is, is it's sharp. Like that thing is beautiful. That, that anchor looks fantastic, man. Yeah. Like, it is it is a really really well designed thought out anchor. It's it looks good, like it, it, it looks solid, and um, you know. So what was was when you guys originally were thinking about doing an anchor? Was a grapple style the first thing that you guys were thinking of? Tom, did you want to take that? Uh, well, yeah, I, I think so. Um, um, the Grabnell style anchor historically has been the, the, the anchor of choice. The, the problem was when they were hammer forged together, you know, 
back when Christ was a cowboy and Moses was wearing shorts, they don't they don't stow well. There's nothing you can do with the grapnel anchor when it's fixed arm, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, hence you you have the navy anchor, which is a grapnel anchor with only two arms. And the only reason it's still popular to this day is it fits in an anchor pocket on a hull. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't necessarily work well. It's only got two arms of the multiple arms it could have, right? And the, and mm-hmm. it goes on weight and and, and uh, by chance bite, right? Where where you, you want is you want the plow effect available on a three hundred and sixty degree rotation, and you want the anchor if it becomes uh, dislodged to be able to reset itself and walk, right? And that's a that's a huge that's a huge uh, thing to ask of any anchor, you know what I mean? Like they, they the anchors become uh, dislodged because they can't reset. The grapnel anchor can reset itself because it has, you know, more than one chance it's going to reset itself. If you, if you, like a plow anchor, typically, like a fortress only has one chance to, to plow in and bite. If it gets, you know, dislodged, um, that's why people that sleep on sailboats don't really sleep on sailboats. They just lay there and, <laughs> and worry, right? So, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but that's why they that's why they lay there and worry because you can be on your mooring and go to bed and, and you're going to, in the morning, you won't be where you went to bed, right? Like you'll be off your mooring. So anyway, it just has, and and, and by the way, the, the, the grapnel anchor, the way we designed it, you can use it as as a as a spade anchor with one arm out, two opposing arms, three or all four. And and if you want to drag and you want to just drag the, a weedy bottom, just put one arm out. And and you know it it offers you some variety. You know what I mean in your in your uh, ability to hold yourself there. You know and and the submarine environment and the, and the surface uh, environment are two different things, right? You. You know, we get environmental conditions on the surface and a submarine environment that's constantly changing, you know, by by the square foot. You know, you don't really know what's down there. You think you know, or if you can see it, that's great. But you have to have an anchor that, that adapts to all conditions. And you have to take that into consideration when you're, when you're buying an anchor and, and where you fish or where you want to fish or, you know, w- what you intend to use it for. You know what I mean? Like an anchor shouldn't be a speed break. It should be something that will hold you there. Yeah. Let, let's talk about that for a second. The the function of this, uh, this anchor. Uh, so you mentioned you could have one, two, three, or all four deployed. How does that work? Yeah. So uh, maybe Greg can show you, Greg, if you have a sample there, you can probably just show them what you're talking, what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. I'll try to articulate it in case there's people that are listening instead of um, watching, but the way that we've designed this is with solid rivets here that um, basically stop the anchor arm from opening or closing on its own. So you have to manually open it or close it. And all of our anchors come with a lifetime warranty. So if you ever have an issue with one of these, you know, becomes loose or something like that, send it back to us and we'll fix it. No problem. So you're able to, you know, open two or one, whatever you want to do. The easiest way to open them, these anchors, um, only because we've done it about 100,000 times, is you point it away from yourself and you leverage one arm against the other. And then for closing it, the easiest way is to use your flat part of your palms, you don't pinch any fingers, and close it. Um, 
Another feature that's different than our competition anchor is this brake spade here. So this creates a whole lot of surface area that's able to bite on whatever the submarine surface area is versus the traditional grapnel anchor that's available is more of like a spoon shape. Yeah. So this is more versatile in a lot of different uh, environments versus um, the other one. But something to consider regardless of what anchor you're using, whether it's one of ours or, or any other one, is that um, anchoring is very subjective. So as Thomas mentioned, the surface conditions and the submarine conditions you know, could be working together against each other. You don't really know. Um, but the key to anchoring really with any anchor is that you have enough rogue ratio out. And by that, I mean, how much rope you have out for every foot of uh, water depth that you're in. And so, you know, a common misconception is that you can take, you know, an anchor like this or whatever and be in 10 feet of water and use 15 feet of rope. Well, that just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. The anchor, um, you know, whatever type it is, it has to be able to lay down on the bottom of the water and be able to dig or work its way into that submarine surface. So you always have to have enough road ratio. We recommend a minimum of five to one. So if you're in 10 feet of water, you know, in bad conditions, you want to have 50 feet of line out. Not that seems like a lot of line, but if you know you walk down your driveway and, and you look back at your garage, you're probably already like 30 feet away from your from your garage door, right? So, you know, 50 feet in your mind sounds like a lot, but it's really not. Um, obviously, if you're in calmer conditions. Uh, you can get away with with less road ratio, but you want to have that length of line out for a couple of reasons. One, it lets your anchor lay down. Two, it acts as a shock absorber between your anchor and your boat. So if you're anchored off of, you know, like a, um, I don't know, some type of tie off on, on your kayak a handle or, or whatever it is, um, you want the abuse of the waves or the abuse of the wind or the current or whatever to be absorbed by your anchor line by your rope not by your boat not by your hull and not by your anchor not that it's that you're not going to damage this anchor you can tow a truck around with this like uh, i don't recommend it and uh legal uh, disclaimer don't tow your truck around this but you could this is plenty strong enough to do that but whatever this if this is anchored into soft sandy soil and you don't have a shock absorber between your boat and this, you run the risk of damaging your boat or shocking this out of its location that it's that's holding your boat. So it's always better to use more rope than than you think you need, um, regardless of what anchor you use. So that's kind of like the anchor tip of the day. Make sure you have enough rope ratio. It, it's funny you mentioned that because me and Josh has brought that up quite a, Actually, I think Josh brought it up before and we've talked about that and i always see people complaining like oh this anchor's not holding me well it's because you're not using it correct this upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and tecovis is your stop for the best in western style tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer including men's and women's boots apparel hats bags and more all tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, 
have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You don't have that length of line out that you need to hold you in place. Oh, yeah. They drop it, and as soon as it hits ground, or lock whatever, (laughs) you know deployment uh equipment they're using and then they're like oh i'm like dude a, a 50 pound weight's probably not going to hold you in place like that because it's barely touching the bottom and that wind blows you're just dragging it around you know i mean i learned that early because i used to have that mushroom style one too mm-hmm. and um i used i got so i used to i had that crappy grapnel one right and i didn't like that one whatsoever so I went and bought, um, I was pissed off. I was like, dude, I'm getting tired of getting blown around because I had the Coos HD, which is like mm-hmm. the worst lake kayak you could possibly be in. It's like a freaking windsock. And <laughs> I, I ended up buying like an eight or nine pound mushroom style thing. And the thing was so dumb, so heavy. Yeah. Like when I would like throw it over, I would laugh because the weight <laughs> loss that happened on the the top of my kayak would make the boat shift. Like, so I'd toss it in, I'd actually counterbalance myself <laughs> rocking around. And, you know, and then I was like, man, uh, I got rid of that thing. So I, I kind of rarely use an anchor at this point. Um, but there's a lot of places that I'd love to have one. And I like, I like this style anchor. Um, I also like, you know, like, mushroom style and ball styles too i think what's cool about that is that you can actually go out and get a couple anchors and be like all right this one will serve me best in this water condition and then mm-hmm. this the tight lines one will be wonderful over here because i am finding that you know i'm still i'm getting dragged around and don't matter how much weight's hitting the ground you know and it's it, I need something to bite into the sand or whatever. Like I need to kind of search like for something to grab onto. Um, so it's, uh, uh, like I said, man, I, the, I remember when you guys first came out with these and I was like, dude, that's sharp. Like, like it, it looks so good when um, I can't remember who one of the first kayak anglers I had seen had gotten it, but I was just like, that thing is, the thing's beautiful. Like it's a work of art. Like it looks great. I like the way you guys made made it retractable like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, instead of just being like, "Wow, let, let's just like throw this shit together and make an anchor," you guys kind of made it your own. You you did something kind of unique, and you took that that approach. Like, hey, let's make this look good too. You know, because I mean, the kayak kayak fishing market is like it's full of a lot of cool products like that you know that's one thing that um i'm real proud of to be in this is that you people like you who are in the fabrication and stuff end up having this like kind of task of what can we do that we can make it look good be durable and lightweight you know and like you said like what how can we have this stowable like 
you know, kayak fishing, you ain't got squat for room on top of these things. <laughs> I think you guys nailed all three points with your anchor. I appreciate yeah. that, Josh. Thank you. That's all. It's good to get that feedback. And we've heard that from a bunch of different customers that we've dealt with and going to ICAST. And, you know, it was a refinement. We, we came out with, you know, the best thing that we could at the time, but it was really a refinement over the last couple of years to get to the stage we're at. It always looked cool, by the way, just to, but the, uh, the performance and stuff, like, yeah. Tom and I are all about the LCF, the look cool factor. You gotta have look cool. <laughs> you guys are into motorcycles. So if you're in a custom bike building, dude, if the shit don't look cool, man, you're like scrap it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that's something we've talked about before on the show too, John. Yeah, back back when I was building a motorcycle, I I looked at a lot of rims like from American Racing and you know who uh, Roland Sands' uh, father owned and go to go to Los Angeles and look at rims and then I met uh, just by chance at at a at a hot rod show in uh, Los Angeles. I met Chip Foose and I and. Uh, mm. He said, you have a very, very, very nice bike. I really, really like the design. I can appreciate it. He said, what was the hardest part about building the bike? And I said, the rims. And he's a rim guy. And he said, what what, what, what do you mean? And I said, I want to build my own rims. And he said, if you'd stop by the shop, just call me and, and uh, I'll design your first set of rims for you. And I'll tell you a little bit of what I know about the rim business. And that was it. You have to build the best. You have to start and you have to anything and at that point you've been bitten by the bug and nothing less than perfect will do and i think you have to you have to have that mindset no matter no matter what it is you're you're building or designing if you if you like um greg and i think a lot alike we can finish each other's sentences so i think when we look at a problem we only see solutions and very very quickly we can we can get to the end and i think that's why it's a success you know what i mean you know on a, on a very small scale i think the design will live forever yeah J josh you mentioned uh everything looking good and we've talked about that with kayak anglers before kayak anglers just like to look good you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes we, i guess when you're you know when you're i mean it's like that it, anything when you have a passion you know you yeah. kind of start getting into something and you get into it more and then you get into more and it goes from like just the the kind of hobby of doing it then you're like i'm starting to buy the more expensive stuff brad you know what i'm talking about because yeah. i call i cut helped contribute to your delinquency you did into the kinds game a little bit when i used to laugh at you for wearing your painter's pants and stuff <laughs> like out fishing i'm like dude get you some fishing gear man it's more comfortable <laughs> It's better when it's hot outside, you know, here, check, check, you know, I gave you a hook shirt and I was like, yeah. and it, but then you kind of realize like, okay, yeah, maybe sometimes the stuff that's out there seems overpriced. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but once you start utilizing it and you start using it and you find that it has a durability factor to it, it has a, a good look to it. Um, you know, and multiple other things. Then you start to realize, yeah, this, this is worth the money. You know what I mean? Like, I I could have bought a tight line anchor and the amount of time and energy and frustration I put into other anchors and been like bought this product, been one and done and been all right, you know, instead of cursing in the middle of Cowan Lake because I can't <laughs> keep my freaking position longer than five seconds, you know, like yeah. it's 
like time's money, you know, or fr and frustration's money, in my opinion. Like you don't want to sit there and waste that time. That time becomes valuable. Like especially for me, I, I'm not like a full time angler by any means. I'm a weekend warrior, so that time that I get out there is precious. It's limited, and the last thing I want to do is screw around with a faulty product you know yeah. and i'm willing to go spend my i'm gonna have a 300 kayak paddle and people think thought that was crazy and then now they bought one they're like we get it we yeah. totally get it you know yep well i i think i think josh everybody everybody goes through that you start out at you know at the entry level and and yep. when you meet other people and you see what you're using you understand that uh after a while that that you you get what you pay for in certain instances yep. certain certain things are very key a paddle pfd uh an anchor and and select other small safety equipment that they're key and you should buy the best you know it, it, you only have one chance to have the best certain key items i mean you can go to walmart and get a 15 dollars fishing rod as long as you have the basics that are the best i think you can keep up to anybody you know what i mean yep yeah i agree Speaking of the cool factor here, this is a picture that caught my eye. I got it pulled up. Uh, anybody's watching or listening on podcast, check it out on YouTube. Uh, they're using the tight line anchor with the anchor wizard, and that thing looks sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I, when I first saw it, I'm like, you look like you could harpoon a whale with that thing, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely feel like Batman. You definitely feel like Batman when you got it in your hands. You can't help it. How's the function with the Anchor Wizard? Does it work pretty well? Yeah, it works very well with the Anchor Wizard. Um, it depends on the hull of the boat that you got. Um, with boats, like there's so many different brands of boats out there now, it's impossible to keep track of them all. But uh, the hulls that have, you know, a lot of count compound curves and that on the back, it can be a challenge uh, for mounting the anchor wizard. So there's a lot of people that have come up with, you know, solutions using different types of um, like cutting boards and stuff to make basically like an extension, right? To be able to get it off the hull or to square it with the hull. Um, I have seen some people running the anchor wizard off the side of their boat. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that unless you've got a way of, uh, you know, using an anchor trolley or something to get the anchor down to either end of your boat because anchoring off the side is, you know, a huge safety concern. That's something that Thomas and I like outside of, um, outside of the, the kayak specific market, like the whole, the whole design or the, the, a big part of our business, um, mantra is safety. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, with an anchor, that's an integral piece of safety gear, uh, whether you, you're on a kayak or whether you're on a PWC, any of those different types of things. And we just, we try to stress as much as we can that, you know, if you use our product or use anybody else's, use it in some kind of safe manner. So we don't recommend mounting the anchor wizard off the side of your boat like that. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, certain hulls, they lend themselves very well to mounting the anchor wizard right off the top. And then... Of course, there's a lot of new anglers that, you know, they spend a ton of their hard-earned money on a brand new hull and they can't bring themselves to drill holes in it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just something to consider. But uh, I think a lot of people after they pop the first hole, in their, the first hole in their hull, they, you know, they get on with things and then, <laughs> you know, 
there's no limit to it. But um, yeah, they work very well together. We made sure the first anchor that we put to market when we went to ICAST in 2018 was the K4X. So that was the smaller version of, of this anchor. Um, that anchor only weighed 14 ounces and uh, it fit perfectly in the anchor wizard only by chance. Um, we, we didn't know, we were not aware of the anchor wizard when we went into the market. Um, we met them just through a mutual contact and they said, Hey, you know, your product would work great with that product. And we said, okay, let's check it out. And sure enough, it did. And we started, uh, you know, packaging them together, like, uh, combining them on our website and, uh, that worked great. But when it came time to developing this big one, we made sure as hell that it would actually fit in that shoot as well. So that, you know, our customers that are already running an anchor wizard. Um, they've got no worries about uh, uh, using the K5 with it. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the safety aspect. So I kind of, I kind of learned by experience that uh, throwing your anchor over the side is not a good idea, especially in the river. And I, I did that. I had an old grap, gra, uh, uh, whatever you call it, grap, grapple. Grapple. Is that what you call grapple. It? Yeah, grapple. grapple. And yeah. Uh, I threw it over the side it got lodged in between two big chunks of concrete and my boat goes sideways and starts tipping water just starts rushing in. I'm like, Oh crap. Yeah. I had to pull yeah. out the knife and cut it, you know, cause I couldn't try yeah. to undo it. But yeah. And that you're not the only one there's, you know, there's a lot of people and sadly there's people that drown every year, you know, thinking they're doing the right thing or, you know, taking their kids out on the kayak and everything's going great until it's not. And, uh, you know, that's, we always stress with PFDs too, you know, yeah. we, we have a, um, we have a small group of anglers that we brought on as brand ambassadors and uh, pro staff, and we're trying to, you know, grow that team. But that's, that's part of, that's part of being on the tightline anchor team is that, um, you know, you're, you're wearing your gear, you're, you're doing, as you say, like you're doing the right thing, but you're also, you know, taking care of other people on the water to make sure that, you know, they're not going to be the ones that aren't going home tonight. So that that's really important to us. Love yeah, it. That's cool, man. Love it. Yeah, Cause yeah. it's just reoccurring. Yeah. Reoccurring nightmare story that we hear every year as kayak anglers about people who don't wear PFDs and end up drowning, you know, and it's just, it's sad because a lot of times it's so easily preventable. You know, I get it. There's going to be a lot of one-offs. You know, I've mm -hmm. heard stories of experienced paddlers you know, to get, you know, tangled up in cord or whatever and that thing. But it's so rare to hear that happen. It's always stories of uh, we got out when it was early spring, though, or whatever. Yeah. Somebody has a health condition they're not aware of and they end up having a heart attack falling out of a kayak or a boat. And, you know, and they end up drowning because they just sink, you know, yeah. and it's sad because uh, but I love that. I love that you guys are pushing that. We tried to do that here on Paddle and Fin as well. Mm -hmm. um our buddy dan perry at the end of every one of his episodes used to always say wear your pfds like no matter what fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish it's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home it's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever and with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. 
And I'm, I, I, I have a lot of friends that don't. Um, I get on them. I'm like, you guys really should wear that. Oh, well, I know how to swim. I do too. Known how to swim since I was in third grade. I was good at it at one point, but I'm also 42 and I eat cheeseburgers. And, you know, like, so shit happens. Sometimes God just chooses that it's my time. And I'm hopefully I'm, I am out fishing and enjoying myself. I don't want to drown, but, you know, whatever. And that's yeah. why I wear a PFD. So yeah. cheeseburgers can continue. So, but, you know, it's, it's just, um, you know, and that's the thing, though, is that you pointed out about having the pro staffers. I think that's an important kind of aspect of saying, hey, you guys use our products. We support you, but we also want you to do it the right way and spread a positive image. You don't want to have your, your product or your company attached to somebody's hypocritical. Like, yeah, but um, the the game is in kayaking and we're all aware of this is that cords are do make this more dangerous. So like whether it's an anchor line or it's simple cordage for your rod leashes. So that's the other thing, you know, I kind of wanted to mention it. It doesn't it could be fishing line. You know, there's people who yeah. use 100 pound, you know, braid or whatever out fishing for two pound catfish for whatever stupid reason, you know, and it's that shit's all in the rivers around here. And it's like, you, you know, you're like, it doesn't yeah. take much, man. I watched, you know, Brad, me and Ryan went out and somebody had left like some like high strength, um, mono all yeah. over the bank. And he went to turn around and walk towards me and he caught his foot in it. Didn't he about, ate it right there on the bank line, you know, and it's like, yeah. that's the kind of stuff you're dealing with in the water. So guys, please, 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 please wear your PFDs, carry a good uh, diving knife, you know, something like that. That's, you know, blunt on one end. So you're not poking holes if you have a inflatable or whatever, but um, you know, just watch out for your safety. So. Yep. Um. Yeah, so I mean, do you guys want to hit anything else on the construction of it? Um, like, yeah, let's talk yeah, about sure. that a bit. Like, what 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 is it made out of? Yeah, so it's made out of three sixteen stainless steel. Um, nice. Every the rivets we have the rivets made out of three sixteen. The uh, the cable that runs through it that's aircraft grade cable that's three sixteen. The clinches and these swivels as well. Um, now the reason why we put the swivel on there is so that if you're running, say, 50 feet, 100 feet of anchor line out and you're bringing it in, just as Josh mentioned about, you know, you add line or rope to anything, it becomes more hazardous. Mm -hmm. um, if you're bringing in, if your hand bringing in, say, you know, 50 feet of rope and this thing's bouncing off the rocks on the way back in and spinning, you get a big old mess of, you know, a big rat's nest of anchor line. So that's why we wanted to make sure that we put a swivel on ours right out of the gate so that you eliminate that, that big rat's nest. And it, it, it's, uh, it wasn't necessarily designed um, as a safety feature. It was more designed as like a convenience feature. But when you think about having all that rope on board, if you're not using an anchor wizard or say like a yak attack um, sidewinder reel or something like that to manage your line, it can become a safety hazard for sure. Um, so yeah each arm is made out of two pieces of uh flat stainless steel so it's three sixteenths or sorry um uh uh one eighth uh, material 
that's cut out of a sheet and then it's forged or so it's put into like a break and it's and it's pressed and and uh and formed into this shape and then it's solid riveted together so nothing can come apart everything is completely tamper proof like you can't take anything apart unless you're going to use a cutoff wheel or a hacksaw mm -hmm. um and that's why we're that's why we're confident in providing you know a, a lifetime warranty so if you buy this thing and you got any issues um you know we'll fix it or we'll replace it we're not worried about it it's as it's as solid as a hammer really um that's basically the that's basically the construction of it um we have different powder coat finishes so right now we have uh three different colors we've got this hunter orange color we've got zombie green and we've got uh yellow and we have just a bare finish as well um the finish actually holds up very well. We're very happy with this with this powder coat system that we're using. Um, we did go down the road of using Cerakote for a while, which was really nice coating, um, very durable as well. But the the cost and um, trying to get uh, a perfect product every time, we we're having some issues with quality. So we do do um, we we've done some custom anchor runs with Nevada. Uh, with Nevada Cerakote. So every year we kind of do a couple different anchors that we put out for different causes that we believe in supporting. So uh, two years ago, we did some veteran anchors. We made a, an anchor that was uh, custom Cerakoted uh, by Nevada Cerakote for um, a Canadian veteran hospital. And we auctioned that one off. And then we put all that money back into the veterans hospital there. And then we did another one uh, for U.S. veterans that was also auctioned off or raffled off. And um, this year we did a custom run of uh, orange anchors, orange and black anchors, and uh, we donated them to a variety of kayak fishing tournaments for different causes. Um, so I think we did, uh, did uh, six so far. We still have one left to, to put out there. So... Um, we do have the ability to have some custom artwork done on them for different causes that Tom and I believe in, in supporting and uh, shining light on. Um, but right now we're sticking with these, you know, four basic colors that we're using. Um, if I had it my way, I'd be like Henry Ford and say you could have it in any color you want as long as it's black. But the customers, they, they, like, uh, they like the color options. So, yeah. Um, we're actually looking. We're looking for some feedback on colors um, for our next production run of, you know, maybe pulling another color out. So if anybody's got some ideas that they're really passionate about, we'd like to hear about it. Yeah, I, I saw the custom colors you guys posted on Instagram. There was like a purple one, and it, that was pretty cool looking. And they kind of the, the colors kind of re resembled uh, catch boards a little bit. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, sure. I mean, I don't – sometimes I think in kayak fishing and in the business of kayaks, uh, the color thing gets lost. It gets a little overdone. Um, I get it. Like, you want to match your boat. But at the same time, what's hilarious is that these companies start shifting their colors around. Mm -hmm. You know, like Jackson was notorious because, like, I love Jackson kayaks. One of the reasons that always kind of drew me is you could – you could order a custom color from them, you know, and then they stopped doing yeah. that. And then they had this big wide color scheme and then they simplified it because the other companies were as well. And it was more cost effective for them because 
the bad thing about that is is if you want to try to do a blend on the kayak they were having to make you know an ungodly amount of boats to get the blend to be right and it yeah, wasn't worth right. what the upcharge was so it's like at this point you know i don't know if you guys can find you know maybe keep your most popular colors because i would say you know maybe throwing something in once in a while like you're already doing is a good idea but i don't know like if it would even serve you well just because the companies like to switch it up and they're like well here's this year's you know yeah. three or four lineup and then that person's like well now i've got this anchor that doesn't match so it's like Wah. you know i mean personally if i was i was good i would buy the one that's like just the straight metal finish i think that looks cool or or black yeah like i would be I, I was just gonna i was just gonna say that so josh is just pining toward just getting a straight stainless steel one i got that josh yeah i'm good <laughs> but the, the other the other thing too though with the with these colors that we have they're they're very bright and you can see them from the surface so that that's that's kind of a, a bit of a differentiator compared to a lot of other anchors where you know if it's important for you to see where it is or if you're on the shore like thinking about like low light when you're going to the bow launch at five in the morning and you're trying to get your gear you know um whether it's just a bare finish because it's got sheen to it it reflects light so you can see it compared to like you know a lot of the cast anchors and that but then the color piece it really stands out as well so just thinking about stuff that's laying around on shore and you're walking around trying to get in or out in the dark or looking for it in the water it's you know it's helpful yeah yeah definitely well uh is there anything else you guys wanted to add on these i mean we, we've hit a bunch of it i don't think so we, we appreciate you guys having us on and uh it's been a good experience yeah. it's been a good first podcast for sure Heck yeah uh yeah you guys want to let the listeners know where they can find you guys and uh yeah all your social all media handles yeah absolutely so um you can find us at www.tightlineanchor.com so it's t-i-g-h-t-l-i-n-e anchor.com um on instagram we're tightline underscore anchor uh we've also got our facebook page which you can find at tightline anchor and we have a Tightline Anchor owners group. So if there's any of you guys that are, that are out there, guys or girls that are out there that own our product uh, and you don't know about it, check out the Tightline Anchor owner group. Um, it's something that one of our uh, uh, pro staff there, um, you know, he thought it's something that we should do. So we've done that. We haven't been super active on it yet, but we definitely have some initiatives that we want to do uh, to give back to our customers in the new year. So. We're trying to put together some different contests and giveaways, things like that for the future. So if you own one of our anchors or if even if you don't own one, but you're interested in own one, check it out. Um, you know, uh, you can join the group. Um, it goes through an admin or whatever, and they'll accept you and you can learn about the product. And if you see any of our ambassadors on the water or pro staff on the water or other anchor owners, Ask them if you, if you can borrow it, you know, for for an afternoon and try it out. Um, that's what we do with our ambassadors and our pro staff. We encourage them to lend out the product so people get to try it before you buy it. You know, like um, I don't want to say our product's expensive or anything, but it's you know it's an investment in. Um, At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. 
The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. And being able to hold your position, save your time on the water, you know, stay where the fish are, you know, anchor if you've got a medical emergency, it, it provides all those different benefits. Um, but, you know, we understand that it can be a bit to, you know, shell out the funds without actually getting to put your hands on it and try it. So by all means, you know, reach out to people that are in your area and ask them if they like it, you know, ask them, you know, if you can, if you can borrow it. Uh, and, and by all means, you know, send us a, an email through our website. Um, there's just three of us. We, we hired our first employee this year. So that's been awesome. We're, we're slowly growing. Um, but when you contact us, you're talking to the owners of, of the company. So we have the ability to help you guys out. Um, we can get you what you need. Um, if you got a problem, we can make it right. And that's really what we want to do. Heck yeah. Uh, yeah, guys, uh, they got a whole package here with the anchor and the anchor wizard on their website. So that's pretty cool. Check it out. Thomas, did you have anything else you'd like to add, sir? I think he froze. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's back. Hey, how do we get some, how do we get some paddle and fin stickers to send out with our anchors? I will send you some. I, I I just got a, a, a bunch of them. So I, you guys send me your uh, email. That'd address. be awesome. Not your address, <laughs> not email. <laughs> yeah, because we ship it. We ship them every day, and uh, it'd be great to throw it in the box and and people will see what that's all about too. Appreciate yeah. it, man. That's Heck cool. yeah. yeah. Well, guys, I, I'm, you know, enjoyed having an interview. I love talking tech stuff and you know the whole manufacturing stuff like you know it's it's fun for me to do it's why i like to do this show um so anytime we get to talk to anybody who takes pride in what they're doing you know and you know i wish you guys the best of luck moving forward and thank you for coming on the show thanks a lot josh appreciate that yep thank you appreciate it We will wrap it up, guys. We'll see you guys next week, and have a good one. See you. All right. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler. The Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com.